You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. Here we are at episode 65. We're doing something for the first time ever. I feel like there should be sound effects. Yeah, I like that. We are doing our first animated movie, which kind of caused me a little bit of nerves because I thought, what are we going to talk about? We can't talk about cinematography. We can't sure we can. And so I was like, okay, let's just see. And I actually have quite a few notes. So right, let's right. get going. We watch this on Disney Plus, And if you have Disney Plus, it's free. So free. that's how you can watch it. I love it when we can pick movies that are at least free on the streaming services. It came out in 2002 and the director was Dean DeBlois, who also did uh, How to Train Your Dragon 123. So, yeah, and didn't it have co-director of Chris Sanders because I think that It did. That's the guy who did the voice for Stitch. Yes. Mingana la cuista. Thank you. Now, okay. okay, brief interjection. Yes. That's not the best I've ever done that. I was actually much, much better at it. I practiced it a lot. We were at Disneyland. This was uh, 2004, okay? We're going into a store to purchase stuff, and this is like two years after this movie came out. Mm-hmm. There's Stitch stuff everywhere, and there's a cast member at the door, and I look at her and deliver my best. Miguelana Cuista. Nothing. Nothing. Dead nothing. Like she'd never heard it before. She thought you were talking gibberish. Yeah, I I really think they need to improve their hiring practices. (laughs) So uh, let's see. This one stars Davy Chase, who I looked and she's done a little bit more voice work, but not a ton. So I think she was like one and done. Like you said, Chris Sanders, the writer... And actually, they both were listed as writer-director, and they did that thing where, like, Dean was listed first as director, but then second as writer and vice versa, so. Yeah, yeah. Tia Carrere plays her sister Nani, David Ogden Steyer, sorry. Tia Carrere is, I think, an actual Hawaiian. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Her and, I was going to say this in a minute, uh, Jason Scott Lee, who played David, they were both Hawaiians, and so they were used as... Consultants? Technical consultants? they were consultants. So... Kevin McDonald voices Pleakley, and I believe he's from Kids in the Hall. Yes. But and Ving Rames was Cobra Bubbles, and then Kevin Michael Richardson was Captain Gantu, who we have met. And David Ogden Stars, who voiced Jumba, at least at the time that I was reading up on this movie when it came out, lived in Portland. Yes. So he is now permanently an honorary Oregonian. Yes. Even if he's moved away. And Amy Hill played the older woman at the oh, store, perfect. Mrs. Hasa Gawa. Gawa. And she's also in next week's film, 50 First Dates. And you'd recognize you her. You totally she's would recognize her. I looked because I thought, oh, she, what was she in? I want to mention it. And she was just like in everything. Like you would right. recognize her, but she, oh, totally. She didn't do more than a, she, there was one voiceover. She did a ton of episodes, but other than that, she's kind of just like a one off here and there. Notable crew members, I wanted to give a shout out to Alan Silvestri, who did the music and the soundtrack, who also did Polar Express and Forrest Gump and Captain America. He also did his very first credit on IMDb is in 1972 for the Doberman Gang. Do you remember that? Oh, I saw that in the theater. Yeah, he did that. He did Starsky and Hutch. He did Chips. He did TJ <sighs> Hooker. So it was just that, a little bit of trivia there, guys. Okay, I'm going to interrupt myself. Yeah. You said Chips and then TJ Hooker. And of course, Dak Shepard did a movie version of Chips. Yep. I want Dax to do a movie version of TJ Hooker. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Oh, I don't think it's going to, though. Sorry. The synopsis for this film is a young and parentless girl adopts a quote-unquote dog from a local pound completely unaware that it's supposedly a dangerous scientific experiment that's taken refuge on earth and is now hiding from its creator and those who see it as a menace that's from imdb and thank you for those synopsi synopses i think synopses let's see here's the tagline there's one in every family oh perfect that's a good tagline that really is we kind of are critical of the taglines that's a good one that's a good his one. name is stitch is the second one meet stitch this summer he's coming to our planet that's a good one. That's also a good one. Yeah. And he's coming to our galaxy is the fourth one. Oh, I, 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 but I love there's one in every family. That's really good. I know. I want to say briefly, going back to the, uh, the synopsis of, of them adopting a dog, this raises the issue about zoology in the state of Hawaii, that when he is found by the pound, he still has six limbs <laughs> and they think it's a dog. <laughs> As you do. So at no point do you say, huh, we have a six-limbed French bulldog. Perhaps this is unique and and we should do something other than throw it in with the other dogs. Okay. All right, moving on. Moving on. (laughs) Okay, I found this bit of trivia interesting and I thought it would be a good bit of conversation for us as far as like kind of the cinematography aspect. Okay. And they said one of the hardest things about Stitch's characterization, sorry, I'm reading from IMDb, everybody, was that it was very difficult to read what kind of emotion he was feeling, mainly because his eyes don't have pupils. The animators largely got around this problem by making Stitch a very physical character. Yeah. Now, first of all, they could have got around it by giving him pupils. (laughs) That seems to be obvious. But I thought, how interesting. And then I started looking at the other characters and looking at their eyes. And we have always talked about catch lights. And actually, animators have always put catch lights in. Well, no, I shouldn't say always, but I see them largely. There's There will be a little white speck. And it's usually kind of, if you look at a clock, it would be like in a two o'clock position or an 11 o'clock position okay. on the eyes. And I thought, what did you think of that? little tidbit i read that's interesting the first thing i thought of when you said emotion was his ears yes. i feel like he uses his ears to to communicate emotion like a dog a lot like a dog yeah right yeah that's that was really quite interesting i'll have to actually think about that some more after we finish oh that's good because then the mic will be off yeah <laughs> i said think i didn't say talk about it goodness sakes also, the landscapes in the movie are from recognizable locations around Hawaii, which is probably another reason why I love we love this movie. I right. mean, from the moment it came out, we we did have small kids and you have to watch movies over and over and over. But I think this one really resonated with us, not only because of its main, you know, core theme of family. Right. Family isn't necessarily who you're related to. It's who your people are, who you choose to. And then once they're in that inner circle, that there's a loyalty and and you just you don't you don't cast them out. So, yeah, I vividly remember before I even saw a trailer, there was a piece of artwork in something and it was a still from it's actually fairly late in the movie when Nani and Lilo are in the hammock but mm-hmm. I think it was actually Lilo and, and Stitch was drawn mm-hmm, there I mm-hmm. remember that and I remember thinking boy this looks kind of boring I don't understand what they're what you know what are they going for here but yeah the I mean I, I think a lot of people resonate with that feeling of being uh, there's one in every family right yes being yes the odd monster yes 
And then I have a little bit of trivia, but I'm going to save it for your driving review. Okay. I already mentioned that Jason Scott Lee and Tia Carrere help with the writers with dialogue and accents, which is very vital when you're talking about Hawaiian language and, you know, because the emphasis is on different syllables. Let's see. I noted. Oh, wait, we I'm skipping something. Mike, will you please kick us off with the pickup line for this film? Read the charges. Which I forgot that the film kind of opened up on the other planet. Yeah, the Galactic Council, mm-hmm. where we have to establish that he is a monster, just a little one. So again, Jumba really sounds to me to be Russian. Yes. I think that's where David yes. Agnesaris was going, which of course is interestingly topical. Well, this is interesting. I found this bit of trivia. I'm just going to go ahead and read it instead of trying to paraphrase it. It said originally Stitch was going to be an intergalactic gangster and Jumbo was going to be a disgruntled member of his gang who was left behind during the heist and was going after him coming back to Earth to get him out of revenge. And the other members of the gang would have been the ones who came to get him in the third act. But the filmmakers felt that Stitch was more sympathetic when the audience member thought of him as younger. And so he was changed from a hardened criminal to a genetic experiment. And then Jumba became the scientist who created him. Right. So that kind of... Definitely Stitch would have been less likable as a gangster. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So from a a cinematography perspective, I was thinking that I remembered a lot of the film being in a lot of blue tones. Yeah. And so I really started paying attention as we watched this with the different colors. And so I was I was trying to pay attention because I was like, gosh, you never hardly see red. And so in the very beginning, there is a lot of red. The the police cruiser cruiser that Stitch jumps into is red. There's like fire, like when they're firing at him is red. The warning light is red. But then later, like Lilo's dress is red. And so I can't really draw a conclusion. There is a lot of blue. I mean, Stitch is blue, of course, and there's the 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 sun and or the sky and the ocean, right? But yeah, and and there's all of the nighttime yes. scenes with the moonlight. It's blue, and that has to do with human eye. But there's a great line in there where Stitch is being bad, and he rips one of her paintings, and she says, "Oh no, that's from my blue period," which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and then you brought up that there's a lot of blue in. in I just in my memory the movie, just... but I think there is. I think it, that is the dominant palette. Yes, there was lots of lush green sceneries of Hawaii. So, but I think I did read. I won't read it out of my notes, but I did read that unlike let's see it was Tarzan and one other couple other films of this time during this time so like the early 2000s that they really tried to create that 3D effect and they were doing different things they actually did most of Lilo and Stitch in the old style that they did like Dumbo and Bambi Uh and those and there was just a couple scenes that they did it in the more modern way and so I thought I wonder if that's why you and I I mean the kids liked it too but is that why we were drawn to it because subconsciously it reminded us of those films that we grew up with. Right. So I was going to say from a cinematographic perspective, I did make a note that I loved the watercolor background plates. And one of the things that bumped me as a kid watching Scooby-Doo was you always knew which bush the bad guy was hiding behind because it was obviously drawn differently. Oh my God. And in this case, they didn't try to even get close to that. The backgrounds were just watercolors. They were gorgeous. Now, regarding the why they responded to it, I actually recently talked to somebody who watched this film for the first time when they were younger than I was, or we were, mm-hmm. and they were, they their memory was of the film being a little bit more sad, the feels, 
right? And when I watched it, I have to say it, it had more feels than I remembered. I remembered more in my memory, of course, the stitch as kind of the, you know, getting into comic hijinks. And it really no, kind it of got me in the heartstrings. It definitely does. Because when, after he leaves the plant, well, it starts, the movie starts out in like, kind of like some, you know, some violence, violence for, you know, a Disney movie, but violence because he's running away from, he's trying well, to get away from the evil overlords, kind of. And if he wasn't Stitch and Indestructible, which is established in exposition, yeah, then he would have been killed by all those weapons they're shooting at him. It was pretty intense, right? And so when he when we meet Lilo, she's being shunned by her group of friends. Yeah, Myrtle and, deserves it. <laughs> and when the girls shun her after the hula practice, I wrote in my notes like, "Haven't we all felt that way?" And I think that's why that scene was first. Is the girls all kind of like, "You're weird." You're, you know, you're giving, you're giving sandwiches to fish in the ocean. Right. And you have this creature and you show up for hula practice all wet and we don't, and you have a weird doll and we don't want to play with you. And I was just like, oh, instantly every kid that has ever been shunned by another group instantly relates to Lilo. And so that's sad. And then we find out that her parents have died. I think it's realistic, but it was good writing that she continues to try to win them over. Uh-huh. And that just extends that. And then yes. there's, for some reason, I don't know why this didn't hit me as hard before, but she's going to lose her family. Yeah. It's getting me right now, man. Yeah. She already lost her parents and now she's going to lose her sister, l- Nani. And that goes on throughout most of the film. Yes. They're teetering on the oh edge. And gosh. at one point, the social worker even puts her in his car and like right. is going to oh. drive away. To end- and then there's uh, the scene near the night before that happens and Stitch leaves with the book, but she thinks he's leaving her. She gets abandoned. Yeah. This is brutal. Yeah. It's a rough one. And you, as an adult, you relate to Nani because she's trying so oh. hard to hold it together. She's trying to get a job. She's trying to, she's trying to right. have the appearance of an older sibling who's taking care of everything. And so when Cobra Bubbles shows up, and Lilo's sulking, <laughs> yeah, to Elvis, and which is a hilarious scene because she's just right. laying there and she's just singing the blues along right. with El- Elvis appears again in this. I didn't even put that together. Yes, yes, and. Also, she's got... Love to see if it, he shows up in every one of our Hawaii movies. Probably. We established that things are so difficult for her that she turns down even a simple date with David, who we know has a nice butt that's established in, <laughs> in dialogue as well. He's a good guy. He's a stand-up guy. He's good looking. And she doesn't even have time for that. So yeah, we, we, we sympathize with Nani in what she's going through and attempting to hold this together. And I think you're right. I think anybody who's been a parent understands that feeling of just white knuckling it, right? Yeah, you're so, about ready to lose everything. Oh man, this movie really, it's the stakes are higher than I remember. I yeah. just thought it was fun little guy with six arms yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh geez it was a great montage of of them getting used to stitch and stitch getting used to life on uh on earth with elvis's stuck on you okay i'm gonna interject a little bit there another montage i always make note of montage i love them yeah and i was reading recently and somebody says oh you can't use him anymore because it's a cliche it'll make your film seem like it's either a parody of itself or it's trying to parody something and i disagree yeah yeah i don't i think if i think you can do it in a silly way but i think the montage exists to show passage of time 
to speed things along. Yeah, yeah. It's the same reason that whenever someone takes a cab, it's exactly $20 fare every time. Right. (laughs) Totally, totally. Is there anything else that you noticed in the cinematography or the writing that you want to talk about? So I did notice this the first time through, which makes sense because now I'm seeing it a second time. So I, you know, I can pay attention to some more subtle details. Right. But in the first act, there is a ton of parallels between Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they call them both abominations. Uh Uh-huh. I'm losing my stuff on this, man. (laughs) You, well, first we should have said... This is probably easily in your top five favorite oh, movies. Oh, yeah. I love this film. Of all time. But so they both, they're monsters. Yeah. But the thing, another thing I did is she hisses and spits like he does. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't And there's even a point where she like is on the ground, she crawls and she moves like him. I yeah. Mean, they really, really brought them together. But my favorite is he bites Gantu in the ship and then Gantu says to one of the crew members, does this look infected to you? <laughs> and then after she bites Myrtle, that's what Myrtle says to one oh, of her friends. Wow. I was it's like, almost like the animators and writers <sighs> knew what they were doing. Yeah. But it's amazing that I didn't see it the first time through. Yeah, but you were watching it just for enjoyment. Yeah. And I think that's okay. And we weren't right. steeped in the film world then. We were just parents. But one of the things that... I think works with Stitch as a youngster is he calls people stupid head and he's kind of more juvenile. Yeah. And one of my favorites of that is as he's getting adopted, he's out on the deck and uh-huh. he hides behind Lilo so that Gantu or uh, Jumba can't shoot him. And then he does a headstand and waves his buttocks yeah. at Jumba. I think that was hilarious. Yeah. For the kids, such a childlike way to say neener, neener, neener. Yeah. One line that I got kind of in that same vein is... He grabs a picture and Lilo says, be careful of that. Yes. And I said, oh my gosh, that's so cute. Because a little kid would say kind of in that phrasing instead of be careful with that. Right. And I just, I I miss little kid speak. Yeah. And interesting thing to note is I remember reading sometime back when this first came out that the character designs were done by one of the directors. I think it was Sanders, but Uh it may not have been. And his visual style was very bottom heavy. So if you notice, almost all the characters are very thin on the top and very thick in in the lore. Nani's got some legs. like Yeah. And with the exception of David and Cobra Bubbles, I noticed both had a classic Hollywood V torso. But then you look at, at Lilo and she has the proportions of a young child. Of a toddler. Yeah, even though she's more than three. Oh, yeah. She's easily probably, well, I mean, she runs around the island by herself, but. Yeah, but, and Stitch kind of does too. And so whoever it was, the visual design, a lot of roundedness yeah. too. And, but I think that that brings up that childlike part. Yeah, but I think that, I think of the Hawaiian aesthetic and, you know, like all the, well, you the, know, the aunties, they're the, nice and round, you know, who doesn't want to snuggle up in the lap of a, of a Hawaiian auntie. The dance teacher, he was rather spherical. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 I love it. All right. I'm going to move on to, well, I'm going to say one thing about sets. This is Disney's first film set in Hawaii. Thank you, Disney. And then just my little note on sound. When um, she's moping, it, it was... I feel so lonely. That's what she was listening yeah. to. And then Winona at the very end singing Hunk Hunk Burn in Love. Otherwise, this film is full of 
Elvis songs. It is. You mentioned sets, and I, I, I have to give a shout out to someone, and I don't know their name, and I wish I could, but in the opening scene, it's this Galactic Council, yeah. and a la Star Wars, yes. apparently, the walls are all the representatives, but they're all different aliens. Oh, wow. And so some of them are animated for reaction shots, yeah. like, oh, Stitch is horrible, ah, but their background, where somebody went through- Yep. And they painted that plate, and there are 50 or 100 different aliens in there. And somebody went through, and they designed each one of those and painted that little bit, and hardly anybody ever noticed. So right. a shout out to But that if person. it wasn't there, it would be so such a blatant, we would yeah. notice. Like, and, oh, look, they're all the same. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I know. Yeah. No. I know. This is why we love artists. I, because I they love just, it. Yeah. yeah. I know. Okay, I'm guessing there's a bit of head trauma in Lilo and Stitch. I have, I made well, zero notes of head trauma, but yes. Oh, there had, if not head trauma. Like, we know he had body trauma when he gets run over by the truck. Oh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot yeah, of trauma just, involved Let's just say that there was too many to number. Yeah, like, I, just, I literally didn't make note of any of them because they were just constant. <laughs> right. So this one doesn't have a strong love story, but we are rooting for David and Nani to get together. Do we? Do we get the payoff of a smooch between David and Nani? Smoochy, smoochy, smoochy. The only smoochy I noted was non-consensual. Uh-oh. At 44 minutes, Stitch kisses a woman in the hotel lobby <laughs> when Lilo's trying to get him to be more Elvis-like. Why is it funny when Stitch does it, but if a, a gentleman does it, you know? Because <laughs> he's basically a French bulldog. Right. And by the way, if I ever got a French bulldog, I would want to get one that was gray, and I would name it Stitch. Yes, you would. And we would find, like, a Stitch like shirt or whatever to put on it so it oh. even looked more like and i bet you they make like a stitch hat if not i'd have to learn to sew yeah we we would get reported <laughs> <laughs> how about a driving review in lilo and stitch so i actually didn't have a review of the driving per se there are some fun vehicle related notes one is i love that the pre- police cruiser is a spaceship and it has the sound of a V8 engine. And it actually throttles up like you're shifting gears. I thought that was hilarious. Jumba Spaceship has the La Cucaracha horn, <laughs> which is right. normal. It's not really a driving review, but I do really like that Stitch uses a 1964 light blue punch buggy to punch people. Yes. He beats oh, the crap out of people. Thank with... you for using the phrase punch buggy, because that reminds me of my little fun trivia fact that I was going to add into your driving review. Ah. All of the car's license plates in this film. A113. Yes. Which is the famous room at like CalArts or whatever that's all in the Disney film. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that they had the appropriate, you know, Hawaiian license plate with the little rainbow. Yep. But I noticed it was A113. Yep. Yep. All right. Should we go to the numbers? Well, I just one oh, last you have little one more thing. thing. Sorry. Not related to driving review, but extra bonus points because they have an instance of the old octopus on the face gag. Always funny. Oh, yes. Yes. That's right. You used to always see that somebody would throw. Uh-huh. Although I wouldn't think you would be a fan of that because the octopus might not make it. Well, the octopus did. In, and fun fact, the octopus is trying to eat them. <laughs> So most people think of octopodes as very large, but that's just the Pacific giant octopus. Most are smaller, face-sized. But the larger ones, if you interact with them, they may try to eat you. They're predators. Yeah. You might be tasty. So actually, now that I think about it, don't eat KFC before interacting in the octopus (laughs) experience at at the aquarium. Just to be safe. So if anybody is wondering why Mike is so octopus focused, listen to episode 38. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
And this actually includes Tig and Cheryl, because yeah. they also have a podcast about the same thing. So um, About documentaries or about... About that documentary. Yes. So, yes. Yes. I, I highly recommend True Stories with Tig, Notaro, you know, and Cheryl Hines. Now that I think about it, it's, it's interesting that when she was up here performing, you didn't get her to come on our podcast. Okay, I know, right? Huh. <laughs> she was locked in a bathroom. That was an oversight. Shall we, now shall we go to the numbers? Now we can go to the numbers. Okay, thank you. All right. <laughs> This film came out in 2002. It had a budget of 80 million, which it did quite well. Domestically, it made 145 million, and worldwide, it made 245 million. Not to mention the Lilo and Stitch 2, the Leroy and Stitch, the Disney series. It had quite. I would think over a billion dollars in merchandise. Oh, absolutely. So, this was quite well for the Disney company. It has a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb. At Rotten Tomatoes gives it an 86%. Audience is not as as fond as the uh, critics at 77%, but still considered fresh. (laughs) It's about an hour and 25 minutes, so under 90 minutes to enjoy. It's rated PG. It's an animation adventure comedy, and we paused it once to check the title sequence time code. Right. So it won the Annie Award. The lead voice actor, Davy Chase, won the Annie Award, and it won the ASCAP for Silvestri. He won the ASCAP Award, and it won the Casting Society for Best Casting. So Now, I have a little bit of bad news for fans of this film. Uh-oh. There is a live-action version in the works. Yeah, and it looks a little rough, maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking more Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. I'm not a fan. We'll wrap back around and let you know what we think. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous too. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this episode of the Dodge Movie Podcast. Join us next week when we're going to talk about 51st Dates, another Hawaii movie. And I just want to say we have the list of all the films that we're going to talk about this year. And if you would still like that, you can shoot me an email at christy at dodgemedia.com. And I'm happy to email that back to you. And never forget. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies.